0: The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist.
1: Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast. My name is Max, and I'll be your host today. I have two amazing guests on my podcast today. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, what they do, and then we're going to take off from there. So you guys introduce yourselves, let the audience know who you are and what you do, and then we'll get started. Awesome.
2: Thank you for having us on, Max. My name is Dustin Johnson, and I run an online fitness company called Vikings and Vixens, and this is my wife, Tanya.
3: Hello, everyone. And thank you for having us on.
2: And we actually currently travel around in a school bus on tour doing some stuff. But I'm sure we'll get into all of that as we go.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's funny how um, so now I've been doing this almost a year. Right. And a lot of the people I've interviewed are people that are part of the network that we all belong to, right? And you want to talk about how FYE shows up in my life today, right? Like, fuck your excuses when it comes to fitness and stuff. So I know so many of you fitness coaches and and trainers it's like every time i give this excuse i'll see a post from like you guys or i'll see a post from somebody in apex it's like you know like caitlin the other day running a half marathon so i'm like okay god i get what you're trying to do here. you're giving me no excuses right but but that's how i rolled you know last year in november we started a group of us started 75 hard i ended up finishing it after failing twice right uh and February and then I had back surgery in May. But you know, because of people like you who have pushed me to be better physically and mentally and spiritually and all that good stuff, like I, he- I'm about five months out of back surgery and everything's going great. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a slow process for me. I remember the day at, the day of surgery, the guy goes, well, we're going to walk from here to that sign. And I said, no, let's walk around the whole floor. And he couldn't believe that I walked around the whole hospital floor. That's awesome. Right. And I said, well, you know, I can't be a wimp because of the people I run with see that I'm wimping out. They're going to just, you know, I'm going to be like bad news on social media. They're going to be like, yeah, for sure." For right. Sure. So, so I have um, these awesome people, you guys. I want you to pay attention, right? These two beautiful people started with a vision and now they're traveling the country to share how they're going to help people become, as we call it, right, the best and most elite versions of ourselves, right, through fitness. And, you know, when I talk about Justin or Dustin and his wife doing the work, they do it every day. So they're traveling and they just told me they're going to be in San Diego in December. So I will definitely be down there to come check you guys out and say hi and meet you guys. But so the whole premise of this podcast, right, is to show people, because I followed you guys since, you joined apex right and i know your struggles you shared your struggles how it all started for you right so that's what i share with my audience is how do people overcome those struggles and their challenges and then become successful and what we just talked about the best and most elite version of themselves which you guys are like showing the world how to do that tell my audience like how where your humble beginnings started and then tell them your journey like to where you're at today and how this you know traveling across the country to share with people started
2: I'll let Tanya share her story because mine kind of pigtails off of hers and, and just a little bit of, about what she experienced and stuff and sort of how, how my downfall came and her downfall came. And that way it, it kind of draws a good picture and people can understand that you can not change your entire freaking life.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll just go back and, and start with um, in my early 20s, I started suffering uh, with pretty severe pelvic pain, uh, had a lot of troubles with you know, making it to work, I was having a lot of problems with the pain, didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, And I always had doctors that would say, oh, it's just a cyst that you're dealing with, like, it's not a big deal. Um, So for a long time, I just thought, okay, this is normal for me to be in a lot of pain. Um, when I was 22 years old, I finally went and seen a specialist who diagnosed me with endometriosis, which um, is a disease that is uncurable. Um, it affects one in 10 women. And um, basically for people who are listening who don't know what that is, just a brief little description of it, is the lining of a woman's uterus. That tissue grows on the inside um, her other reproductive organs like her ovaries and fallopian tubes. Um, and with that, um, I, I had experienced several surgery, surgeries because of it, because uh, it just kept growing back. Like, do, doctors would go in and they would laser and cauterize and do all the things, um, but it just kept coming back. And I would always have issues after issues. Um, and in 2008, I first met Dustin and I had just recently been diagnosed with endometriosis. And so I told him about it was like, Hey, I I have this disease that I'm dealing with. And I'm not really sure what, you know, the extents of it are, but, um, this is just what I have. And with that, um, you know, after years of continuously switching doctors, getting different opinions, I ended up, we had to make a decision in 2012 for me to go forth with having a hysterectomy. Um, I was only 26 years old at that time. We were four years in marriage. Yeah. Yeah, Three years. years yeah, we'd been married for three years. And so we had to not having any kids of our own, had to kind of make that decision of, you know, Hey, we're going to have to give up that right to biologically carry our own children. Um, but it was, it was what needed to be done. And so we went forth with it and kind of fell into, you know, after that happened, um, It kind of affected me more mentally than I thought it would. I kind of fell into a depressive state um, thinking that like my womanhood had been taken away from me. I felt broken in every ounce of my being, Um, lost a lot of self-confidence, self-love in myself and had to fight, how to get that back. Because, you know, as a young woman at that time, you know, having that taken away from you, you don't really realize how much it affects you and how much it changes you. Um, even in the time when it happens, you think like, okay, I'm doing this for my health, but you don't really understand, I guess, the effects of what it actually does to you. And I didn't realize that until years later after I started working on myself.
2: Yeah. So, so I met Tanya in 2008, fell in love with her. The second that I ran my eyes across her, mm-hmm. she was love at first sight. We got married in 2009 and we was, you know, just like every. we bought a house, we had two dogs, we both had good jobs, and we were doing life like everybody else, and somewhere in there, along the lines, I I started um, using her prescription pain pills, because I, I played in a volleyball tournament and bent my elbow backwards, and, and so ultimately, she gave me a couple mm-hmm. prescription pills, and I started in on them, and added some alcohol, and some drugs, and Fueled by motorcycles and running around and doing all this, I I full-fledged got addicted to prescription pain pills. And and in 2012, she went in for a hysterectomy. And a few months later, I actually went to treatment as I was taking 6,000 milligrams of prescription uh, pain pills a day between Oxycontin and gabapentin. And when I checked into treatment, I had to talk to the psychiatrist and and he said, so what's your story? And by the time I was done telling him, he said, man, there's not a lot of you left. And I said, what do you mean? And He said, most of the people like you are dead. And I said, well, thank God I ain't like most people. And so when I left treatment, you know, we were banged up, we were in debt, we were having marital problems, we were, you know, disease and all these things, but I knew that we had to start doing something. So ultimately, I knew that our marriage wouldn't be fixed overnight. I knew our debt wouldn't be covered overnight. I knew that, you know, we couldn't change our whole life overnight. But I did know that I could do push ups and squats and eat better and all this stuff. And it was completely free. Like anybody can wake up on a dirt floor with no shoes in the middle of the Saharan Africa and be fit if <laughs> they decide to do push ups and sit ups and go for a walk and run and eat well and all of these things. And so ultimately the only reason I got into fitness and I'll just be honest with you is because it was free and we could do it in our garage and, and there was no, like we didn't have to know anything. Yeah. And, and it like, it, it, it relieved some stress and it felt good. So we went with it. And, and basically from the time I got home from treatment until we ultimately sold everything we owned, which I'm sure we'll get to, but we focused on, kind of building ourselves back up individually, we kind of focused on building our marriage back up as a couple, but we ultimately focused on being healthier. And and like I was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, 6,000 milligrams of pills, you know, 10 or 12 beers, all I drank was Mountain Dew, I, I would go months without drinking water or eating a healthy meal. And so ultimately, from there, it was it was merely Twelve pops to six pops, six pops to three pops, three pops to one pop. I, I switched smoking to uh, uh, chewing tobacco in 2013. In, in 2018, both of us were completely done with nicotine, and, and neither one of us use that anymore. But like a lot of people think, when the, you know we see these programs of 75 hard, or they see this shit, that they got to change their entire life in the next 10 days or the next 10 minutes, and, and ultimately it's we we found And what the way we've got to where we are now is it, it, it takes time over time. And as you go, you kind of change and you grow and you figure different things out, different tactics. And, and it, it just keeps going. But if you don't start, you'll never, ever get there. And ultimately, that's that's kind of where we are now.
1: Yeah. Right. And that makes total sense. Right. Because um, I just turned 18 years clean and sober myself. Right. And yeah, congrats, um, man. Right. And the whole reason I started this podcast, too, was one, you know, when I first came up with the idea, I was going to have this recovery thing, you know, people and, you know, whatever. But then I thought about it and I go like people's recovery looks different. Right. So you just explain yours like and that's what like I I use these podcasts because I work in the treatment industry and I share it with my clients because I go, I want you to pick and choose what works for you. But when you pick that, you have to stick with it. Right. Because like you said, I've been locked up before I got sober. I was I was looking at three years in prison. Right. But what I learned in jail was like I didn't have to be out in the free land to work. Uh, uh, Burpees were like the mainstay of our program. You know what I mean? Like you had to. Um, So it's been, a, you know, because when I first got sober, I'm a 12 stepper, Right. Yep. And my focus was like, I tell my clients, if you don't do it this way, you're going to go out and you're going to die. You know what I mean? And they would look at me like, you're crazy, dude. It's not the only way. Right. But I didn't get that. And, you know, like you said, over time it evolved. And now I understand that people have their own path to recovery, whether it's from addiction, whether it's from PTSD, whether it's from overeating. Sex, whatever the case may be, right? That's why I pick such a wide variety of guests, right? I've had people that were in addiction who are sober now. I've people that have never had an addiction problem but have se- severe trauma in their past, right? So you just gave my audience like perfect, right? To change who you are and what you do is doesn't cost any money, right? As yeah, long yeah. as you're willing to change to find a way to do it, so um. You know, I, I can relate to you guys and I, I've seen some of your posts and stuff like I had a serious meth and alcohol problem and, you know, there was no hope. And the only hope I had was looking like going to prison, three hots in a cot. I can do that. Right. And I knew in the back of my head, if I go to prison, I'm going to get high still. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. but um, what happened for me, I was at my final rope and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, and I told that to my mother when she came to visit me the last time in jail, you know, God rest her soul. But that was the thing she said, what are you going to do? And I gave her the best answer ever. And it was like, I don't know. And I remember her crying and I go, mom, what are you crying for? You're going to go back into your nice, comfy home. I got to go back to my nice, comfy cell, you know, and I messed with her. But um, I'm so glad you guys uh, came on to be a guest because I want uh, the audience to know these different challenges people go through and what they've done to overcome that because you know in my eyes you guys are very successful i know you just did a show not too long ago tanya right yeah. and, and you're a trainer and, and you guys work together as a team you know give um give the audience like what was that moment when you said you know you kind of already did but like when you both sat down and said we are going to change who we are and we're going to help people you know even if it hurts
2: Mine was honestly before I went to treatment. I, I, I ran out of pills on a Wednesday and, and it was really rough, man. I, I withdrawed for a few days and I was miserable. And by the time it came Friday around midnight, I had uh, restless leg syndrome in every joint on my body. I was hot. I was cold. I was miserable. <laughs> I was just completely wanted to die, basically. And I, I straight up got up. I looked at her and I said, look, I mean, they're going to rob the pharmacy right now. Or I need to go get help. And she just looked at me and said, Well, I guess it's time to go get some help. So I I immediately, I was working a really good job. I I called what they called an employee assistance program. I called literally at like midnight and I said, Hey, I I need help now. And he said, Cool. When do you want to leave? Next. Next week, next month, next year, I said I needed to fucking leave yesterday so as <laughs> soon as you can get me on a plane, get me out of here. And, and so I flew to Knoxville, Tennessee two days later and, and was in treatment for 34 days. Um along along our journey though you know I started drinking again I started smoking weed and, and, and never got into anything crazy but you know throughout my times and, and along the way I've, I've, I've allowed them to control me again and and i I have now you know come clean again and and, and realize that I don't have a good personality to have just a little or try some or, or maybe we just won't do it with other people like it just doesn't work for me so I'm really finding now you know as we talk I've done the 12 step. I've had the chips. i got the key tags. I've done all that. It, it, it's me. It, it all comes down to me. And I have to be willing to change it. I have to be willing to sacrifice the things that I think I need to actually be the best person that I can be. And, and when I think about the most elite version of myself, I don't think he sits around and smokes weed all day. And like, it it just, that doesn't seem really elite to me. And so ultimately like, that's the decision that I've come to now, but it's taken me a long ways, you know, treatment and and, and all these things. But now it's like, no, this doesn't work for me. This is the decision. And and like I said, when I look at the most elite, I don't, I don't think he's, he's rolling, rolling joints up and and
1: hanging out. Right. That's awesome. So that, that brings me to Tanya. Right. So like, seeing him go through that withdrawal, right? Because what I do when I coach my people, right? Like I work in the treatment as a counselor, but I'm building a coaching program where I deal with high performers, uh, executive CEOs, right? And their families. Because what I've learned in working in treatment is like the families get left behind a lot. Like they don't even get asked, like, what are you going to do different? You know, know? because you got the enablers, you got the ones that I've had where parents drop off their kid and go, Hey, we'll be back in 90 days, fix them. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work that way. So Tanya, from your perspective, kind of give the audience, like when you saw that, like, because it's so important, right. With that kind of issue with addiction, it affects everyone, especially when you're the spouse, right. You see it firsthand. What were your thoughts when he said, honey, look, I'm going to go get help or I'm going to die.
3: I knew he was in big trouble. Um, The part about it, though, is I was I was a big enabler. Um, I I did everything right alongside with him. I was with him doing drugs and riding the motorcycles. I was with him the whole entire time. I knew what he was doing. But in my mind, I was was kind of naive to it that it was that bad. And he was really good at hiding it, too. Um,
2: We're really good. (laughs) Master of my craft. yeah, Yeah. But
3: when I seen him laying there and going through the withdrawals, I I knew he was in really big trouble. And, um, when he had asked me that question, I knew that robbing the pharmacy was not a good choice. Like we're not, that's not an option. We're not doing that. Um, and and I just said, it's you need to get help. And so I was very supportive in that sense. um, I remember being sad because he had to leave me for 34 days. And that was like really hard because I was going through some stuff of my own with just having a hysterectomy and, um, dealing with my lack of confidence and, and, and having support. Cause we didn't really have any support during that. And so it was really tough on me to watch him go through that. But then to I, I knew that in order for us to have any hope of getting, better that he had to go to treatment and I had to be supportive. And I remember like when he got there for the first week, like we couldn't talk to each other because he had to go through like a detox or something. Wasn't it?
2: Yeah. The, 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 everybody will quit in the first seven days. And so they they didn't allow any co- outside conversation because then it's like, hey, babe, give me a plane ticket. I'm coming home, you know, and, and, and oftentimes you can convince them. And So the treatment center I went to, I got to call her when I got there and tell her I was there. And that was pretty much it. She was pretty much hanging up the phone on the other end of the, the, the <laughs> counselor was. And, and that was it for the next basically seven full days. On the eighth day, I got to talk to her.
3: Yeah. And, and on that day, I remember, um, I actually, I felt like such an asshole because he was going to tre- here. He was in treatment, getting himself better. And I'm still coping with my shit and I'm still drinking knowing that he's, he's somewhere where he's trying to get sober from everything. And I called him and I had been drinking, a you know, I had like a couple drinks, um, over at our neighbors. And I remember saying that to him and I was just like, wow, I feel like the biggest piece of shit right now, you're trying to get clean and sober and I'm over here doing this. And that was like a turning point for me to look at myself and where I was and what I had going on. And it was like, you need to get your shit together. Um, And so I made it that point that from that day moving forward, I was going to do everything I could to make sure that when he came home, he was coming home to a clean and sober home and that everything was, however it needed to be. So I could be the best support system for him. So he didn't come home and relapse or anything like that. So I took it very serious and was like, this is, I'm doing this with you. Um, and so I got clean and sober as well. And when he got back, I even started going to AA with him. And, um, and we just started that journey. Like I made that choice that we're, you're going to get better and you're going to, you know, do all these things. I'm going to do that too. Cause I want to be the best support system for you.
1: Right. And that's awesome because like Mark Genesis, even talks about, well, it's like a choice. We get to make a choice. Right. But as you two know, right, when we're in that, we, we kind of lose all sense of choice. Right. So that's awesome that you had that kind of insight, Tanya, to go like, I'm going to support my husband by quitting too, because I've been doing this for 13 years as a counselor. And I don't tell you how many times like one or, you know, the husband or the wife, you know, it's getting sober, but the one at home is still doing what they're doing and they just can't wait. You know what I mean? Cause misery loves company. So as soon as she, or he gets home, they're back and then they come back. You know what I mean? It's like a revolving door sometimes. Right. And that's sure. so awesome to that the audience got to hear how you supported each other. Right. And, and that's what I try to teach even in, you know, as my count, as a counselor, it's like, no, you know, you don't get to just drop them off and go, okay, you know, every week I, I, when I work with my clients, I do not only an individual session with them, but I do a family where we all get on and I tell them about their progress, answer any questions. Right. Because I've had, I work at a place that's um, pretty well known, at least out here in Cal, I am, throughout the country. Um, and they have like a four day program, right. Family program, just where the clients and the families for four days get together, they cry, they do whatever they do. And But I had this client, I always ask him, you know, here's an example. So I'd ask him, like, what's your plan? One of my first clients when I got there, I got this, Max. And that was one of those things that go off in your head, like every week I tell him, what's your plan? I got this, Max. I got this, you know, 30 days later, you know, again, I'm sitting with him. What's your plan? He goes, I got this. Like, man, like, that's why I hate when I have clients that go, I got this, Max. You know, they're like you, like, say seven days in, they're feeling better. They go, I got this. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. Um, you know, I get a call a month later after he he graduated and discharged the program, you know, him and his wife and their kids found him dead of an overdose oh, wow. in their bedroom. Right. So, you know, and I can go on at stories about people that have not won that battle. I have a brother who committed suicide and lost his battle to addiction. Right. So, you know, like, you know, my hat's off to you both, you know, like, com- you know, supporting each other. And, and that had to be hard. Like you said, you're 26 year old. You just had a, a hysterectomy. Now your husband's in treatment. So you were kind of all alone going, how am I going to do this? You know, but you said you made a choice. I'm going to support my husband. I'm going to become better. Um, so if you're listening audience, pay attention to how they did this. You know, they supported each other, right? It's better to do things as a team than by yourself. And I've even had that, you know, go early in my recovery. I thought I got this right. And I relapsed four times before I finally pulled my head out of my ass and go doing this alone is not going to work. Um, right. But I love how you guys incorporate fitness, right. Because what I found when I finally got serious about my recovery, right. It wasn't just about, okay, I'm going to meetings. Um, right. And all the, I I came up because I've always been an athlete, you know, at least in high school and stuff like that. I wrestled, I played football, I did all that stuff, played baseball. And what I come to learn from like, from yourselves, like people like you that are into fitness, right? It's like, if I get my body healthy, my mind is going to follow, right? Even if my mind is all messed up and you guys have both been there, you know, like those days where you're going like, oh man, I got to get up and do this, right? 100%. But then you go do it and you always feel better after you're done doing it, right? Yeah. So let the audience know like what kind of and we'll we'll let them know how to get a hold of you but like what kind of program like you're doing this whole tour like what are you trying to teach the world about fitness oh. and yourselves and all that stuff? So
2: honestly, man, it's, it's, it, we, we do a few different things. We obviously, we, we take on some clients one-on-one where, where we really dive into their nutrition and their fitness and their mindset. And, and we're working them on, on a personal basis, but we we're we're Amazon best selling authors um, for our book, how to live a healthy lifestyle. And, and it's, it's, it's literally like the simplest form of living a healthy lifestyle. So we focus on things like eating only whole foods and drinking mostly water and exercising every day and getting plenty of rest and and getting some sun every day. And if if you can literally start doing them five things, your life will ultimately start to get better because the opposite of, excuse me, the opposite of fitness is drugs to me. So when I do drugs, then I feel like shit afterwards because I got high and then I feel like shit because it's like, man, I know I shouldn't have done that, right? But right. when I do exercise or when I eat well, it's the opposite for me. So I, I feel good while I'm doing it because it's good food and and it's and it's healthy for me. But then when I'm done, I feel better. And so for me, it's, it's the simple principles that people like you and I can take. Because if you give me this whole strung out thing, like I don't even understand it. It doesn't make sense. But you could take, you could take the five principles I'm talking about into prison with you and, and literally like, OK, I'm only going to eat whole foods. I'm going to exercise every single day. I'm going to drink water and I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm getting plenty of sleep because that's ultimately where our mindset comes from. If you're tired, if you're beat down, your hormones are out of whack and all of these things. And if you can get some sun, you can take them into prison and ultimately become a better person just within five principles. And obviously we dive deeper into our book uh, and all that, but but those are it, it's about kind of making it simple, man. Back to like I couldn't afford to do nothing. So I just started doing squats and push-ups and Tony Horton weird videos that we had, the <laughs> closet book thing, like P90X, that was all, right? Yeah, yeah P90, whatever it was. Like that was all we had. And, and I couldn't afford anything else. So I just started doing it. And and ultimately, like we've we've built business off of it. And we've we're 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 now out on tour, literally discussing these things. So we're going to 10 different cities, 10 different parks. We're, we're, we're putting on a a free workout and and we're, we're walking them through it, you know, warming them up, walking them through a, a nice workout. And then we're having a nutrition seminar with them explaining, you know, the things to eat and stuff like that. We're, we're doing some portion control things and, and ultimately just helping people get started over the last 18 months. All I did was complain about health and all this because of the situation that's that's uh, enthralled on all of us right now. Uh, and I was pissed off and it, it, like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. And then I was like, hold up. What I could do is I could go make a difference on my own. I could go teach people what health actually is and exercising and bringing community back and smiling faces and shaking hands and kissing babies and having fun because that's not what it's been for 18 months or two, two years or whatever, however long it's been now. It, it, it wasn't focused around that. And, and I know in my heart and in my own body that that is what health is created by is by taking care of yourself. And so I wanted to do something instead of piss and bitch and moan. So we literally, I, I had a school bus that we had, we had self created into a, an RV. And we were already planning on living in it. And we were already planning on, on traveling in it. And so it was like, yo, let's just make this one big swoop. We'll live in the bus, we'll travel the country, we'll see the places, we'll meet the people we will help where we can, we'll try to make an impact if we can. And And, and, and that's, that's ultimately what we are doing currently right now with our lives.
1: Oh, yeah. And you guys are definitely making an impact. And that's how I've learned to break it down to my clients. Right. Because sometimes in the early stages of my career as a counselor, I say, oh, you got to do the 12 steps. or You're going to fucking die. And they'd look at me like, I ain't doing that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Now it's like how I break it down to them. It's mind, body, spirit. Right. For that sure. way they don't get offended. And, um, you know, if they want to do it, of course, now I guide them in that direction. If they don't, okay, let's find what works for you and go in that direction. Right. So, yeah, it's great that we have you two out there spreading your message. Right. So that'll lead me into and congratulations on being uh, best-selling authors. You guys, that's awesome. It's uh, nice to be um, in company with fellow authors. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, um, So what I like to ask my guests, right. I wrote a book called Fearless Happiness, My Addiction, My Battles, My Recovery. Um, so we'll start with Fearless. What does fearless look like to you guys? And how does that show up for you on a daily basis?
3: <laughs> what does it look like um i guess i would say what it looks like and, and how it's kind of portraying to our life right now is like we're in a, a weird time in the world and we're traveling to places that are unknown and sometimes you don't know if things are going to work out the way that they should and it's just kind of like having the faith over that fear of what's going to happen what what's maybe going to work out um and just doing it anyway like even if it scares you you might have some you know fear around it, just doing it anyway, because you never know unless you try it. You never know unless you get there. So in our situation that we're in right now, just having full faith in what we're doing and that, you know, we're changing lives and impacting people in, in awesome ways and just doing it.
2: Yeah. For me, fearless man is like, we, we sold everything we owned in 2017 to travel full time. In 2019, I built the school bus that we live in now. And when you talk about fearless, when you take 32 to 36 years worth of collectives and, and everything you've ever owned and all of that, and you literally get down, we got down to six totes worth of stuff so that we could do what we are doing right now. When people say, oh, I'll do anything to be successful, or I'd do anything to have that, and it's like, okay, cool, this is how it went down. I sold everything that I owned, and I now live in less than 100 square feet with my wife and my dog, and we don't have any, any, nobody's supporting us, nobody's writing checks for us, nothing, like, we have to create our own business, we have to create our own connections, we have to create everything that we do, and it's solely on us. And we're in places that we didn't know. We don't know anybody here. We don't know anybody where we're going. And it's completely on us to do it. And, and, and we had to build in fearlessness because today we're, we're here. Tomorrow we might wake up in a Walmart parking lot. The next day, like it's every day is a new thing. And, and ultimately it's the matter of figuring it out as you go. That's what creates fear fearlessness to me is is you just have to keep figuring out the next step and the next step and the next step but you have to be willing to jump
1: absolutely that was perfect you guys I mean for what you guys have done like you guys are the perfect like if the audience if you're listening to this like pay attention to what they said they sold off everything got in a bus and now are traveling the country that takes a lot of courage and a lot of fearlessness because, you know, I, as you know, and I, uh, you guys know, and I know there's probably a lot of people that oh, I would do that, but then they wouldn't do it. Right. You know what I mean? Like they are a lot of talk, but won't do it. And I've had to learn how to do that. Right. And, and like starting this podcast, right. I would, you know, um, one of my mentors and coaches who passed away of COVID in March, right. Used to, oh man, every week I would meet with him. Right. And he would go, you start your podcast. I go, uh, no trying to learn how to edit right and he would hear me do this over and over and then last year i think it was around september around this time last year it was uh have you started and i'm like no i'm still learning how to freaking edit and he's like max and this guy never cussed what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck perfect doesn't mean done just do it believe and i was like right right so here i am you know wednesday i'll release episode 30 and i just have just done it. Right. I'm not perfect, but yes. I'm having fun doing it. Right. I have great yeah. guests like yourself. Right. So I had to learn what fearless means and, you know, kind of things we've talked about throughout this episode, you know, it's like Gandhi said, right. If you want to see change in the world, you have to be that change. Right. Yeah, and exactly. you guys are living examples of that. Like, so I'm so honored that you guys have come on and, and become a guest on my podcast because I want the world yeah. to know about you guys. Um, so my next question is, you know, I my happiness right? I put a Y in it. And a lot of people look at me like you spelt it wrong. And I go, I know I did. So knowing I put the Y in happiness, what does that look like? What does happiness look like for you? And uh, how does that show up for you guys every day? Because I know it's a challenge what you guys are doing. Sure. He's like, ladies first. He's looking at
2: yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, He's out Tanya. <laughs> I can talk all day. Like but, um, Happiness to me, I
1: think
3: happiness is Doing what I'm doing, um, going out, spreading love to people and reciprocating that back. And, And it's not like I'm looking for reciprocation, but when you... When you go out and you you put your heart and soul out there and um, you're doing good deeds and you get the messages that come back from people saying you made an impact in my life or you helped me here, like just knowing that I'm doing that good in the world and actually like helping people brings me happiness and joy. And then also I, would, I have to add the traveling with my my lovely dog and my husband because they're my world. So that brings me happiness every day.
2: Yeah, for me, it was literally going to be to like a few years back when we started doing this, we just had this, I don't know, call it a message, call it whatever you want. But it was to travel the world, spread love and help people. And, and, and ultimately, like all three of them things put together is our life at this current stage. And, and I know that it's it's probably coming to an end as far as is how we currently do it. But But there's opportunities to do it different ways and things like that. But to me, happiness is is using your God-given talents, sharing your tests and turning them into testimonies. Literally being on, like I feel like it's our responsibility to do this—to be on your podcast, to to write the book, to 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 do the posts, and and, and constantly because we inspire other people, we make an impact, and so it, to me, I believe God has put us down here and put us through the things that we've been through to ultimately be able to come on to here and help someone else see that they too can change, and and that and that makes me happy, man, because. The, the number one thing that I hate in this world is struggle. And I, I've struggled my whole life, whether it's with drugs or money or women or uh, uh, relationships or, or whatever it was, I've struggled my whole life, you know, and, and I've always tried to take it head on and do it myself and fight the good fight and the whole thing. And I just never quit. But struggle to me, man, is, is, is devastating. And I can see how and I've told her this. I can see how people get to where they can't do another day. They just they, like I'm done with it. It's, it's too much for me. I quit. And, and, and so my goal is, and my happiness comes from when I can help somebody stop struggling.
1: Yeah, that, I couldn't have said it any better. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what I love about the guests like yourselves that I've had on it. Ultimately, that's what everyone has shared, you know, in different words, but the same thing is, right? I get happy when I'm helping somebody else. And what I've learned in my sobriety, right? And in my, as a counselor is um, the opposite of addiction is connection, right? And right. Not only have I connected with people, you know, around the country in my recovery, but like the last two years being a part of Apex, like I have now connected with, with people like yourselves, you know, people, part of our network and which has led me to people around the world. You know what I mean? Like I, I started a group and you know, all that stuff like you guys are doing. And it's just amazing how it works is when you give, like, I just had that conversation with my previous guest, Chris, as I told you, and he says, we give until it hurts. And then we give some more which I watch you guys because I follow you guys and you guys are like killing it. In my book, you guys are killing it. And God is gonna reward you too very much, right? Because you're doing the work, as they say in our and you're not giving yourself any excuses, which I love.
2: One thing I want to say, man, is is I loved what you said. Addiction is about connection and it's about community. So I'll make this quick, but the opposite to me is depression. So the only time I ever find myself depressed or beat down or fucked up is when I'm thinking about myself and what I don't have. I don't have this and I don't have that, and so this ain't working for me, and this ain't going right, and this ain't this, this ain't what it's supposed to be. And it's all about me. But the second that I can catch myself, it's been six months or eight months or one day that you're feeling that shit that's coming into your chest. And it feels like a fucking elephant sitting on you. I always find that it's because I'm focused on me. And when I turn my focus back to helping others and doing good in the world, that shit almost immediately lifts off of you and you start to feel better. It's not going to fucking save your whole life. It's not going to cure all the shit you're dealing with because we, we got choices and we got to deal with them. But to me, depression is when we're focused solely on ourselves. We can't even see out of our own blinders because we're stuck on me and, and, and I'm stuck on me. And, and when I get out of that and I help others, it, it, it clears it right up for me.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it any better. That's That's true, right? Because when we focus on the past, which usually we're thinking about ourselves, that's what they call depression. Before we end this, right, it's been a great episode. I thank you two very much from the bottom of my heart. Let the audience know if they want to work with you or get a hold of you or or whatever. Uh, Let them know how they can get a hold of you.
3: Okay. Um, So if you are interested in working with us, you can visit us at vikingsandvixens.com. There's a whole different list of ways that you can work with us. And then I would say like the best way to contact us is probably just reaching out to us individually. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook as the Tanya Johnson.
2: And I am the underscore Dustin Johnson because uh, there's a pro golfer with the same name as me. And so <laughs> We did the and the, but yeah, if, if anybody wants to reach out, Max, or they reach out to you, man, you know, send them our way. Well, more Absolutely. than help anybody or jump on a call or, or whatever we can do. We're, we're more than willing to
1: help. Awesome. And another thing I want them to know about let them know where they can find you best selling authors in your book.
3: Uh, so that you can also, it's on Amazon, but um, I think the quickest way to find it, you could go to our website and okay. it's on the drop down to grab our book. It's on one of the menus or whatever. Yep.
1: Awesome. All right. Any last parting thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, man, I,
2: I do actually. I, I've been through the ringer. I put myself through the shit, and, and I know exactly what you're feeling in the struggle right now. And I just want you to know that you can get out of it. It does take work, but there is things on the other side of the shit you're going through right now.
3: Yeah, I was just going to add on to that kind of the same thing. Like, just keep showing up every day, no matter how dark the day seems to be. Um, there's always a better new day around the corner. So, just stick with it, keep going forward. And eventually the sun will shine.
1: Awesome. You guys were amazing. Thanks, I appreciate you. you. Thank you for coming and being a guest on my podcast. You know, I wish you all the best. Let's stay connected. Cause for I'll sure. definitely have some questions for you guys, right. On yep. how, when you have a busy schedule to keep that nutrition going, right. Like I got the workout part. Fine. It's just, you know, like at work, got a crisis this or that i miss a meal or whatever but we'll we'll talk about that uh, you know off here but everybody you heard it vikings and vixens these two dustin and tanya are some amazing i've been following them ever since i've met them on facebook they're doing great work go reach out to them if you want to work with them and thank you guys very much thanks for having us we'll be seeing you soon all right